0: We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, 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 and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh, please, oh, please don't let this flop.
1: Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop. A podcast about TikTok and internet culture brought
2: to you by Rolling Stone.
1: EJ, I wanted to tell you about the the PowerPoint party.
2: I know. Thanks that... for inviting me, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, it was so much fun. I mean, obviously, I don't know. You've seen probably a lot of the PowerPoint party TikToks, right? I have, yes. Yeah,
2: so... It seems like a blast and a half.
1: Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen a lot of people on TikTok make these, you know, they make videos of these parties that they have where every single person makes a different kind of PowerPoint. Sometimes they're educational. Sometimes they're just like silly about friends. Like, it's just like you're doing a little mini presentations with all your friends. So my friends and I get those TikToks all the time and we decided to finally do one. And I have to say one of the best ideas we've ever had.
2: Okay, so what what were what was your PowerPoint and what were the PowerPoints that your friends did?
1: It was nice cuz everyone took a different approach to it, which I loved, and mine was about the actual group chat. So we have a group chat and it's called Garbage Tornado for many reasons. Mm-hmm. And um I basically made a PowerPoint about how we would all do in a yellow jackets type scenario minus mm-hmm. the cannibalism. So it was I did each lie kind of in order from who would die first to who would survive the longest. And it was skills, setbacks, outlive, outlast, like how long they would last on. Where did you rank? Uh, Where did you fall on that spectrum? I'm like the second person to die. I have yeah. asthma. I hate being outside. Um, I just have no survival survival skills whatsoever. My only real skill is I like can shoot a gun. I grew up in the Midwest. And so I'm like, I can maybe hunt if we needed to.
2: You can, do, you I, can shoot a... Everybody in the Midwest
1: knows how to shoot a gun. I I just had a a, a grandpa who was like very Republican and and like guns. I see. Okay. So I've been to like I you know, I mean I haven't shot a gun since I was like thirteen, but I'm sure I could pick it up it's like riding a in bike. A forest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I was second to to die, but I did a bonus cannibalism slide, and in that one I'm like the first one to go because I would simply offer myself up. I would not want to participate any further because you just wouldn't have
2: the energy to like fight. It's just, it would be too much like who has I know. time,
1: I'd be like literally just eat me like you are I welcome the sacrifice
2: that's like the I once saw a TikTok that really resonated with me where this woman was like if if somebody ever hijacks a plane like step one just kill me I don't want to deal with this
1: me that's literally me that's me too I was,
2: I, I feel exactly the same way kill yes. me yes
1: so it was it was fun that was that was um the group chat one that I did one of my friends did one that was are like basically making the case that some bears are actually just people based on a lot of viral bear videos um, and that they're the people in the bear suits are astronauts in training. Why are they astronauts? Because it's just like the the way that they have to live. I don't know. They're the is this whole like a common
2: conspiracy theory or is this something that that you guys just created like. No, class? this is
1: her conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Um Based Not on bad. just like honestly, I was convinced by the end of it, and <laughs> I'll send you the slide. I honestly, I was like, well, this might be true, just because there's a lot of videos <laughs> of like bears walking. There was a bear in the Polish army. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that video. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Wojek. Um, so that was a really good one. One friend who works at a at a number of really fancy salons did one about how about all the celebrities who don't tip her. Oh, my God. Who is on the list? Who is on the list? Who is on the list? I can't just dis- I can't get her fired. I cannot disclose. I did promise her I would not give like I'll- a
2: Du type
1: hint. I know we told her to leak it to de but I will I will leak it to you later. Um, but there were some people from some famous 90s TV shows who've gotten free, free salon, um, free facials. And they basically they get free facials if they post right about the salon. And you should be tipping your esthetician. Okay, that, 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 that's telling me,
2: that's giving very much uh, one out of six of the cast members of Friends.
1: Uh, <laughs> 90s teen TV shows.
2: Okay, that's that's giving very much uh, either Saved by the Bell or Beverly Hills 90210.
1: Well, we'll discuss later. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and it was like a lot of influencers I had never heard of and stuff like that. People who would typically get um right free facials you know and yeah i mean it's really good another person did like all their all their twitter nemeses like all the people they hate on twitter um my friend carrie did one that was about the the carl young tropes in courtney loves instagram that took a lot of explaining for all of us because none of us knew who carl young was mm-hmm. um and he's he's the, not gonna come up on this podcast again no, he will he will not come up on this podcast. So or don't in my don't worry th- if you're like worried
2: about whether or not we're going to talk about Carl Young. No, we're not. Don't worry
1: about it. <laughs> you uh, should do a PowerPoint party with your friends. It's like here's all the reasons why my co-host Brittany is the hottest person alive.
2: I should do that. In fact, I probably Topic will. Done. I probably <laughs> <laughs> Speaking speaking of crazy things that young people do, yeah. you're watching Euphoria,
1: right? I am. I am watching Euphoria, and I'm watching hours of content each week after because it is all over my TikTok feed. It is all over Twitter. We've already talked about Euphoria Fever and how there are all these memes. It was blowing up even before. The show is so big and people really care about it. But something even juicier is swirling and we're trying to figure out if there's trouble brewing in Euphoria High. So it all started with reports that actress Barbie Ferreira, who plays Kat, a plus-size teen, on a horny journey of sexual discovery, walked off the set. Of course, a lot of these reports are mostly rumors at this point. Barbie has not fully addressed it. But there's a lot that has come up um, across different sites and across different reports on various, like, gossip sites and also non-gossip sites. So the reports allege that Barbie was upset with Kat's storyline for this season. What is Kat's
2: storyline for this season?
1: Well, we're only on episode two and there barely is one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, She has started to date a very, very nice guy named Ethan um, oh, the guy from last at, season. Yes, she started mm-hmm. dating him at the end of the season. And essentially, all that she's really done so far in the first two episodes, um, of course, there will be a third episode that airs before um, this episode airs, but the it's not much. It's basically just like how she's kind of unhappy, and she then realizes that it's mostly about herself and not about Ethan. Um, so the reports allege that Barbie came to blows with the show's director and writer, Sam Levinson. Who writes and directs every single episode? Only person. Mois also received similar rumors of onset tension between the two. Levinson allegedly cut a lot of Kat's story and lines this season after mm-hmm. she walked off. And Barbie was also noticeably absent from the Euphoria premiere, citing some loose scheduling conflict. But this, all these reports came after she was the only cast member to not attend the show's premiere. Mm-hmm, that makes a lot of sense. So Sam has also not made a public comment on this, but it's kind of clear something that she is going on with Kat's storyline. And again, it's it's been pretty stagnant. She's getting into that sort of fat side character purgatory of being left with another self-empowerment story plot as the other characters get to try fentanyl and flirt with the internet's new boyfriend, Angus Cloud, and fucking bathrooms. And she's here, you know trying to figure out, like, what it means to be empowered.
2: Yeah, it's really unfortunate
1: because her storyline was the best last season. I loved her storyline last season. I'm I'm curious what, I'm curious if what we're seeing now is sort of the beginning of that tension or beginning of, like, what, I, we haven't seen the full seasons. That's, like, the difficult part about knowing what exactly Barbie was upset about because it could either be what's happening now or it could be stuff that we may not even get to see for the rest of the season about what. Sam wants for, for Kat's storyline. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this makes the next thing that happen even more side-eye emoji-inducing. Sydney Sweeney, who plays the sweet but needy Cassie, who yearns for nothing but love, um, told The Independent that she had to put her foot down on several scenes that called for her to be topless. She's already been tits-out for the first couple episodes of the show, and for a lot of the first season, she's probably one of the, I, I believe, the only actress who is usually showing... Um, you know, her boobs in a lot of scenes. Yeah.
2: I I mean, that's why I ultimately stopped watching because I Mm -hmm. just found it really... I found it really gratuitous. And she's a great actress. Like, it's nothing against her performance. I think she's incredible. And, you know, that performance, you know, doesn't even, like, serve her talents the best. Like, I thought, you know, White Lotus really used her very well. Um, Yeah. But she... Like, that scene where she gets high and then has an orgasm on the carousel, like, I cannot think of anything more unnecessary than that. Yeah. So the fact that, like, they wrote even more naked scenes for her this season, and she had to be like— And she had to be like, yo, I'm not doing that. Like, that's pretty unbelievable to me, because there are a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, on top of all this, the show itself is kind of jumping the shark. So there's a lot of things about the season that, are really good. It looks amazing. They basically brought back this um Kodak film that was, you know, no longer being produced and Kodak went into production to make this film again for the the second season of the show. So it looks beautiful. This is like a Visco Girl wet dream like it is gorgeous. But and the music is amazing. The music supervision budget must have been like fully insane. Um they have just so many like really old classic songs playing through it and for someone who's as nerdy as I am. I am obsessed with all the music on the show, but many fans have, cl- have complained about Levinson's writing. Again, Levinson is the only person writing the show, noting that the episode penned by actress Hunter Schaefer that aired during, um during COVID, like there was a, a Christmas specials that they aired, one focused on Jules, Hunter Schaefer's character, one focused on Ruse and Dea's character, uh, basically to just tie people over before they can actually film the full second season since, It came out in 2019, pandemic hit, and then they couldn't film for a really long time. And Hunter wrote the episode about Jules herself, about, you know, her experience as a trans woman and bringing that into her character and inspiring this incredible, you know, special episode. And many fans have pointed out that that was the best episode that's been written so far, especially for the character of Jules. Uh, More controversy has swirled over a redemption arc for one of the show's parents, Cal Jacobs, played by Eric McSteamy-Dane, whose storyline for the first season was entirely about him sleeping with a trans teenage sex worker, Jules, Mm -hmm. and then making her life a living hell. And they basically give 30 minutes of background on his character being a closeted teen jock um, and how sad it is that he became pregnant with his wife. His now wife became pregnant with his first child the day after um, he finally kissed his best friend. So there's there's been a lot of controversy over, over that as well. Um, because, I mean, it was like, it was funny because a lot of people were just like, oh, my God, now I kind of like Cal, blah, blah, blah. Like, I wish he had been able to stay. I mean, especially because it's played by, like, he's played by, like, a like a hot boy and, like, his best friend is, like, mm-hmm. played by another. And it's, like, very... Right, people were shipping them, I saw. People were shipping them. People were just, like, you know, like, wow, I wish he'd been able to stay with his friend. I can't wait until I see the friend again, blah, blah, blah. All this other stuff. And it's kind of, like, a sort of, like, well, you you were duped <laughs> into believing that this is, like, now a sensitive character that you should be rooting for when he is the villain of a lot of the story.
2: Some the, the thing that I really find very strange about Euphoria that I found strange last season that's only now kind of bubbling up that I did not see a lot of last season was the fact that Sam Levinson is a white man and he is writing, he's single-handedly responsible for writing, like, all of these for telling the stories of, you know, all these marginalized characters. Yes. And, like, I, I do not feel personally that, like, white men are, you know, should not write outside of their experience. Like, that is not a perspective that I hold. But just the idea yeah. that, like, he is single-handedly controlling the narrative and he doesn't even have, you know, like, other... There aren't other writers on staff except for Hunter Schaefer, who you mentioned, who are, you know, helping to build these perspectives. Well, like,
1: I Hunter only wrote that one episode. That's the other thing, too. It's like this is, again, still the, uh, the season storyline for Hunter's character, Jules, is a stark contrast from what, you know, what like her... Her self penned episode was so that's right. Like my point is more that they yeah. shouldn't be
2: a white man single handedly crafting these narratives.
1: Yeah, and that and I think a lot of the controversy and a lot of what's come up about his writing was definitely made worse by the film Malcolm and Marie that he released that starred Zendaya and John David Washington. um That movie stars two young black actors and. Um, John David Washington's character is a a filmmaker who's struggling with white critics. And that movie is entirely about and based off of and very, you know, both very clearly and very explicitly about Sam talking about white critics of Euphoria. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's very weird for, I mean, that makes it even weirder when you kind of see him working through his problems through Black actors in a movie. um, And I think makes a lot of the writing in this season feel fishier than it did in the first season. Because now that he's been so explicit about how he was using this film um, about a a Black filmmaker struggling to um, come to terms with a white critic's interpretation of his work as a white filmmaker, you know, it's just, it's like, it's weird and fucked up. It's like a strange sort of like, why are you using, why are you playing dolls with these two Black actors to get work through something you should just go to therapy for? (laughs) Um, But with the clear and rumored strain happening behind the scenes, when you're left wondering if the show has Girlboss too close to the sun, a lot mm-hmm. of people think that the show, this might be the last season. Um, there, A lot of people are comparing this to Glee and to Ryan Murphy, Sam to Ryan Murphy, um, just about, you know, Glee was very famously left with a lot of drama constantly, especially between Ryan Murphy and the actors. Um, a lot of the onset drama between Ryan Murphy and the actors led to different storylines being... Um, shut down or ruined or character arcs completely messed up. Like that's very, that has been told by many of the actors since then in books that they've written or interviews that they've done that Ryan Murphy like would single-handedly kind of destroy a character plot if they were not getting along with him. Um, So it seems very similar to that and kind of also just as messy in terms of the way that the plots are developing right now. But it's still early enough to be saved. Maybe Sam, Sam Levinson should consider bringing EJ and I on for the theater kid perspective. (laughs) Um, if they want, I I don't think they need that. (laughs) I
2: don't, I don't think they need scenes of people getting super high and getting froze fruits (laughs) and then walking into history class and showing off their
1: froze fruits to their history teacher. (laughs) I, I, I don't think that's necessary. They don't want to see a bunch of kids drinking Dr. Pepper at a theater cast party in someone's basement.
2: I will say, I think, and this is foreshadowing because this is not going to be the first time that we mention this particular individual. This episode, I think it's really funny that Jeremy O'Harris got involved in the in the de- Harris, Euphoria
1: rumors. Yeah, Jer- Jeremy O'Harris works as a consulting producer on Euphoria this season. And has has been sticking himself into a lot of the the drama with it and what's not fun is seeing people make up things about someone who's very close to me, who's been the best boss I've ever known, who's one of my best friends, whose son I'm the godfather of, um, on this app based on conjecture and gossip websites. Please stop doing that. Here's what you need to know about the Euphoria set. It is one of the safest sets, one of the most fun sets I've ever been on. You know, he posts a lot of videos. He sort of refuted some of the gossip. Um But also, you know, again, it seems like this is a lot more personal than I don't know how much Jeremy would be. I mean, Sydney has gone on the record with issues that she had with taking her top off for the season. I don't think that should be ignored. Um,
2: Yeah, I agree. And
1: we don't know about Barbie. And again, she has not explicitly said that I've had issues with Sam. I'm sure she also kind of would like to protect her job in case she'd like to keep it. But I don't know. We don't know. And so Jeremy has weighed in a little bit more than um than he probably should have on it.
2: <laughs> we'll we'll return to yes. that later.
1: We'll, we'll return to Jeremy later. <laughs>
2: this will be a recurring this will be a recurring theme throughout this episode. <laughs>
0: Monarchmoney.com slash podcast.
2: We decided to do something a little different this week, which is straight <laughs> people gay
1: edition.
0: Straight people gay edition.
1: Because gay gay people can be straight too in their own way. That's beautiful. So Chris Olson and Ian Paget have broken up. Do you know who either of those people are? I didn't until you sent it to me. It's I, I don't get served that shit. I just I don't. I mean, I barely do. I barely know who they are, Um, but they are both famous and they've both been pushed on my For You page at an alarming rate over the last few months. And I do not follow either of them. I still do not follow either of them. I also have very few details. I will try to piece together as much as I can about who they are, but they are very, very big on TikTok. Um, And because of that and because of how many videos I get served by both of them. I have been accidentally following along with their breakup for a month now, even though it was officially announced like two weeks ago. So I am officially beyond help when it comes to being on TikTok. So who are they
2: and and what sort of did they represent like as a couple?
1: So Chris and Ian are an influencer couple. They have a joint YouTube channel and they have very, very popular TikTok and Instagram pages, but separately not joint um, pages on TikTok and Instagram. I mean, they just kind of make sort of annoying couple content along with just like a lot of just other random sort of stock influencer content you know it's just like dances and like you know videos like set to all the weird sound trends like they're just kind of on top of it and they have a lot of big brand deals and they're just like very famous in their own right with that
2: they seem so bland to me like I don't understand the appeal
1: Yes. I mean, I'm i I'm, I'm not going to be the person to tell you why you should be following along with them. I'm just giving you the information <laughs> on why they broke up. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um But very they have been <laughs> they have been dating for two years. So like many other very popular creators, Chris has a spam account, which is another form of content that I have been getting a lot from him. And a spam account is like a Finsta, except it's public and it's on TikTok. And it's basically a place where popular influencers have a second page and they kind of just make whatever content they want. Like it's a little bit looser than their public pages, especially if they have a persona to upkeep on those public pages. So for some reason, a month ago, I remember I looked at the comments and one of the pages, I think I just was trying to piece together who this person was, and all of the comments were asking if him and Ian had broken up. So there's a lot of comments that were just like, we haven't seen you and Ian together in a really long time. You know, we just, like, want to make sure you're okay. I think he had posted something kind of sad and, like, it was, like, a mildly depressing video and people were just like, oh, no, like, what's going on, as people do. So I have now decided to temporarily develop my own parasocial relationship with them Mm -hmm. to further investigate because I love mess. And as you know, again, once I saw a West Elm Caleb TikTok, I looked into it. Once I saw this, I had to look into it and Mm -hmm. suddenly learn everything I could about them.
2: And so you, you know stopped. everything you're so your investigative skills about like tiktok couples are just like unparalleled
1: I love it. I'm I I have I believe a gift in telling when someone has broken up on instagram without them having to post sad content They should make um, there's always a tonal shift That I can always tell they should make the um, what was the jennifer love hewitt show where she could talk to ghosts They should do that about you. Yeah. Yes, that's me um but yeah, anyway, so the content has changed. They're no longer posting together. They're going on red carpets together, apparently, or like not together. They're going on red carpets separately, apparently. People just sort of assumed that like Ian was traveling. So that's why him and Chris weren't producing content together. I just became very involved in this in a way that is frankly sick. So on January 7th, they announced their breakup on Chris's official TikTok page, doing that head bombing meme. You know, the one where it's like one mm-hmm. person's head bombing. and
2: duh, Duh. Yeah. Duh, duh,
1: duh, duh, duh. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you know, anyway, it's captioned when you break up but are still best friends. And then they explained it in a YouTube video that I truly do not plan on watching. That's much longer than the type of content that I want to watch from either of them.
0: For now, we've just decided that it would probably be in our best interest to be
1: moving through the world unromantically. We're okay, and we want you guys to be okay, and we just wanted
0: you guys to know.
1: But they did that a few days later, and they continue to make a very alarming mix of meme and emo content on their mini pages that I keep watching. Um, It's, you know, it's very straight influencer couple behavior it's very cringe i find chris's spam page very entertaining though so i will not hold it all against him at least like i do i do think that like there is a glimmer of good content coming from them but honestly being a social media famous couple seems overall awful and i think i'd rather just get ghosted
2: my question is like how is it going to affect their income if they got famous as a couple like how does it affect their income and their brand if they break up
1: I have no idea. I, I'm i assuming that it does on some level. It seems like they're both individually very famous. Like, their videos without each other have been doing really well. Um, they have been posting. And maybe that sort of was a trial run. Maybe that was, like, part of the reason why they didn't immediately announce that they were breaking up because, or immediately break up, because the content that they were posting separately was also probably, like, a test of, like, how well they can do without each other. Um but, I mean, they do, again, have separate TikTok pages. They have separate Instagrams. Like, the YouTube channel is really the only thing that they share. Um, and they do fairly well on their own. I mean, I wish them the best. They seem like nice people, at least. I don't wish them the best. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. I don't wish them the worst, but I don't wish that. What I wish them is, like, I wish them some, like, quiet time, like, to sort of pull themselves together so I don't have to see their content. <laughs>
1: You know. um, I like to understand why I was gaining their content so much in the first place, and yet here we are. Maybe the TikTok <laughs> algorithm knew that it would drive me insane, and that I need to learn every single thing about them in order and to you do did. this episode. And I, I did. Am I better for it? Absolutely not. I'm just I'm worse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I wanna I wanted to talk to you about Future X. Have you heard of Future X at all?
1: I unfortunately have. unfortunately (laughs) yes I've heard them I've heard their music
2: right so 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 Simon Fuller who created the Spice Girls and American Idol he's like this big British pop producer behemoth he created this band called Future X which is being promoted as the world's first TikTok famous band and basically it's a group of extremely hot people colds from all over TikTok. They, they were all asked to audition last fall under the hashtag Next in Music. There are various, you know, races and ethnicities. The only thing they have in common is that they all look really good in crop tops. And um, here's some of their music, which is bad. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing else to say. I, they have the, I mean, to me, at least, it's interesting because it's sort of a combination of the Hype House, Collab House model, because they're all basically working together in a house in Malibu right now making um, content in this, in this giant mansion. Yeah. And this classic um, pop group model of the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC where it's, you know, it's not really an organic band per se. It's just a bunch of people auditioning for a producer and being, you know, groomed for pop superstardom. And, yeah. you know, they're recording their first album. They have a brand partnership uh, with Elf Cosmetics already. They, I mean, I went pretty deep into their TikTok, and I haven't really seen, it doesn't really seem like anybody's trying to give them much of, like, individual personalities the way the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys yeah. had, which kind of differentiated them all individually while also making them work as, like, a cohesive unit. They're just yeah. kind of all hot and make content. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, do you think like is there do you think this is gonna work? Like, is there still space for a Spice Girls Backstreet Boys model of pop student pop stardom in the movie I mean, market? The issue is there are just there are too many of them. There know? are seven. There are seven. I should have mentioned that up top. Yes. There are Yeah. I believe are Too many of
1: them, like I mean, I mean, there are like, you know, K-pop groups are are large and I think that's kind of like under the model. But like again, like they have no these the people in there have no distinct personality right now, (laughs) other than like what they look like. (laughs) And so other than like, you know, with K-pop, at least like you're getting some personality if you have like a seven person group and, you know, you can kind of attach from there. And there's a little bit of a better writing machine behind it. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is pretty similar. It reminds me of the way that every single pop group was made in their early 2000s, you know, the making the band, um, engine that existed post like the Sync and Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls and how there was every TV show was about creating a group. Um, you know, this is a very common way that pop groups are made. So there's no, I, I can't really like, you know, there's no way or reason to to look down on that part because every single great pop vocal group has been made by just like some some show or some like audition thing. Like Spice Girls famously came from like a, a wanted ad in a newspaper looking for auditions. But I don't know. There's something a little bit like lifeless about the way that they're being presented and about how the music is being made. Like at least there was some sort of interesting things happening musically with, um, you know, Backstreet Boys being one of the first acts to work with Max Martin, who is one of the biggest pop writers of all time. And, you know, getting his career off the ground with that. I think, you know, there's there's nothing really interesting about the music itself. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it could it could work out, but it doesn't seem like people are really excited about this immediately. So many things that like come from TikTok remind me, like so many things that are like the like inorganically come from TikTok remind me of Joseph and the Pussycat's movie. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> such like, an underrated just, like,
1: movie. Such a great uh, such a great movie but I feel like it was like honestly such a <laughs> I don't know something about just like the way that the the world is presented in there and very like kind of cold and steely and also just like the hidden messages in the songs and the way things are marketed that way like uh, that's what that's what this feels like like I feel like if you re- rewind the music it's going to be like by elf cosmetics
2: yeah, I mean the one that's probably the primary reason why I don't think this is going to work out the way they want it to, because yeah. it it does seem like it does seem like the ideation meeting was like, okay, kids like K-pop, kids like TikTok, let's sort of use this model and bring it to TikTok. Um, but they, I, I don't think it took into account really that kids on TikTok are like very sensitive to bullshit; like they can yeah. sniff it out from a mile away. And like this is probably the most explicit. There's all these accusations of like industry plant, industry plant with all these acts that break out on TikTok. And this is
1: probably like the most explicit
2: (laughs) for like example of an industry plant there ever was. So I cannot see this really taking off.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is sort of I think maybe the closest thing now that I think about it to Future X and like the way that they were formed is that there (laughs) is I mean, I really like this boy band. I know people have, like, different opinions on them, but I, I really like Why Don't Me, and they are products of Vine. <laughs> like, they are literally, like, but not in this way. You know, it wasn't, they didn't have Simon Fuller, who was, like, one of the biggest names in mm-hmm. the the pop vocal group creation history, but they were basically just, like, all touring separately on all those, like, you, you remember those Vine meet-and-greet tours? Mm-hmm. um. And uh, someone who had started one of those Vine meet-and-greet tours ended up being like, oh, these all these kids who can sing, we can put them together in a group. So they have like a little group called Why Don't We. Um, but I don't know, I think it's also just like the process itself of the bonding nature of being in a group and things like that are usually uh, in development for a really long time. Like they are, I I feel like this is kind of haphazardly being promoted too quickly.
2: Yeah, I I think so too. I mean they yeah. had all that they had the splashy rule out like giving people an exclusive to sort of announce that they're here with all these canned quotes from all the individual members, but like yeah. I don't know. They should put them in the house and be like come up with personalities. Like give your what are your personalities? Like who yeah, are I mean, you?
1: if you're anticipating keeping this group together for a long time, what I mean, all groups break up because of the issues that I think this group is going to feel earlier than most groups, which is that you're touring with them. You have to spend every single day with this group for the next how many years you end up being together, Um, you know, and I I think it it doesn't seem like they have any sort of rapport going on or any connection with each other. No, it all looks like
2: a a hostage situation, like all the TikToks they make together.
1: Yeah, it looks like a bunch of sims were just thrown in from different people's games and (laughs) are now just like forced to dance. They. they should make a pool and fence them in and see what happens. <laughs> That's like really dark. A <laughs> tiny green diamond added to each of their heads. I would be like, I would not even look twice. I'd be like, okay.
2: Make a wall around the bathroom and then watch as they just like jump up and down for a couple hours and then pee themselves and cry. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I love the Sims. And anyway, uh, let's
1: do um, Obsessed. We haven't done one in a while. No, I don't think you understand. I'm
2: obsessed. Yeah.
1: I just wanted to briefly touch upon something exciting for Sydney Sweeney because, you know, I hope that everything goes better with with Euphoria and Sam Levinson. But people have discovered or rediscovered that Sydney Sweeney has an amazing TikTok account called Sid's Garage, where she's basically just been like working on a vintage car on her own for, like, months now. She has, like, a 1969 ruby red Bronco that she's been fixing up and, like, restoring. I don't even know the proper terminology for what you do with a vintage car. But, like, she's literally, it's just, like, her welding and shit and, like, fixing the car and, like, I don't know, it's, like, crazy. It's crazy to me when people do that. Like, I
2: did not think I would find this interesting, but, because I could not give less of a shit about cars. But I cannot stop watching it because she is so beautiful.
1: She's so hot. It's She's like so hot, hot to watch. I'm like, wow, I wish I could fix a car. I wish I was like cool and hot like that. Like that's like, it's incredible. She's it's awesome. such a good account. She's awesome. I love Sydney Sweeney. I wish her the best. She has a great career already. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, White Lotus was my favorite show from last year. And so she was incredible on it. She is really, really good on the season of Euphoria in spite of the um, storyline that they are giving her. Which is whatever, but like she's doing really, really well with it though, and she's awesome, and she can fix cars. Like, give her a a car shop. Give I I would watch a a show that's entirely just Sydney Sweeney welding shit.
2: Honestly, me too.
1: Yeah,
2: (laughs) me too. Yeah, I would watch my husband. My husband is like always asking me to watch shows like Top Gear, and I'm like, no, fuck you. Like why? Like fuck you for even asking me that. Like it's offensive that you would even ask me to watch. Yeah that, like, a show about cars. But if Sydney Sweeney were in it, I, w- I would be like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. That sounds great.
1: Yeah. And in the most recent one, the car was finally drivable, which was, like, a very exciting thing. But I'm also hoping that she continues to work on the car because I would like more content.
2: Um, Let's do Himbo. Are we, are we ready to do...
1: Yeah. Himbo? himbo of the week.
2: So this was actually a rare Himbo fan suggestion. From our guest last week, Leah, a.k.a. at Jewish Brat.
1: Shout um, out to Leah.
2: Shout out to Leah. She concluded her interview by saying she had a Himbo of the Week suggestion. She was like, you guys should talk about Axel Weber. And at first I was kind of like, mm, maybe this is like a little old to talk about because he really went viral like earlier last month. But like, yeah. I mean, he fits the Himbo category. And there's also kind of a new wave of discussion that's going on yeah. around him now. Yeah. Um, He's kind of going through a similar like TikTok hero to TikTok villain pipeline as yeah. The Women in the West Elm Caleb saga did. So what's last week.
1: the the hero story? Tell tell us about Axel.
2: So here's the hero story. Um Axel is a 22-year-old TikTok star. He's from outside of Atlanta, Georgia. He's so cute.
1: <laughs> very very cute.
2: He's so he cute. He kind of looks like a,
1: he gives me very like um nerd boy in like a 2000s teen show or movie. You know, like, I feel like he would fight for Hillary Duff.
2: Absolutely. He, to me, he reminds me of this guy I had a crush on in English class in ninth grade, but I didn't know how to express it. So instead I bullied him for reading the sentences out loud too slowly um, (laughs) during class. Um, Yeah, that never, it never worked out between us. Um, But he has like giant brown eyes and floppy hair. He's kind of got like David Dobrik vibes. Um, Real, real boy next door. Mm -hmm. And he auditioned – well, he first went viral because he moved to New York to kind of make it big as an actor, and he got this really tiny apartment, and he went viral for making these videos of his, like, super tiny apartment um, and his life, like, on a shoestring budget in New York. And he auditioned for Juilliard, um, the world-famous acting school, and this is despite him never, like, having – acted before and not having a ton of acting experience. And last month he uploads this video reading Juilliard's admissions decision.
1: As you are already aware, due to our callback process, you are no longer under consideration for admission for fall 2022. Then it goes on to say maybe next time don't do an English accent, try Scottish or Australian, or no accent at all.
2: This video went crazy viral. He got A lot of celebrities got involved. Charlie Puth, who honestly kind of sucks on TikTok otherwise, he made a very, very sweet video telling him not to worry. He didn't get into Juilliard either. Jeremy O'Harris, callback, as they say in the improv community, (laughs) um, who wrote Slave Play, and he had a really insane role in this season's Emily in Paris, um, offered to send him money. uh, But then his followers instantly start rallying behind him and they start spamming Juilliard's Instagram with the hashtag Justice for Axel. And they also spam the school's Google reviews with one-star ratings. So if anyone searches Juilliard, that's that's what they would see. And it is kind of funny to think about some snooty Juilliard admissions person like having to sort through all of these comments on Instagram. But it's also like- And nobody really talked about this at the time. Like, what obligation does Juilliard have to admit somebody just because they have a whole bunch of TikTok followers? Right. Like, and why would someone with millions of TikTok followers need Juilliard to launch their career anyway? Yeah. Like, it's it's just kind of ridiculous that people rallied behind this, you know, very well-off famous white man, like, to such a degree. Yeah. Um. And it's kind of smelled like a publicity stunt. And some people believe that's exactly what it was. They started doing like detective work on Axel. This is where the villain thing comes in. Yeah. They saw him. He'd gone to an NFT launch party with Vinny Hacker, who's a member of Hype House, um, which we mentioned earlier. And it's uh, TikTok's very famous content collab house. There's a series on Netflix about it right now. Um. So they thought he was in Hype House, even though Hype House denies that he's involved with them. Um, they found out he came from a pretty wealthy background and people Mm -hmm. started accusing him of cosplaying as poor because a lot of his content had been about moving to New York and trying to make it on a shoestring budget. But apparently he's like fairly well off. I don't, this is an allegation that gets leveled against like a lot of content creators. Like, I don't know, like his family, his family might have money, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has money.
1: Yeah, but also, like, I think the apartment that he moved into, like, the really small apartment, had already gone viral. Mm -hmm. Um, If I remember correctly, like, this is an apartment that went viral on, like, real estate TikTok that was just, like, this is the smallest apartment in in New York. Yeah. Or something, like, so I think that also kind of plays into a lot of the kind of stunt-level part of it, but I'm not, I need to be 100% sure on that, but... I do think there was something behind his apartment where it was like
2: previously. Do you, think, do you think he got the apartment? This is not a theory that I've come across, but do you think he got the apartment to go viral on TikTok? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a he's a very established. Like this really launched him into the stratosphere. Like he he's got like a manager, he's got a modeling contract now. Um I mean, he's He's well on his way to becoming, like, a very prominent TikTok creator. And he was before he made this Juilliard video. He had, like, one and two million followers. Um, But all of this controversy prompts Jeremy O'Harris, again, (laughs) to make a string of videos, like, probably six or seven videos, like, talking about, essentially classifying this as, like, a piece of theater.
0: Honestly, I love theater. And I love TikTok because it's great theater. That's great theater, you guys. That was a durational
1: performance that Child has done. Like, in a tiny apartment, apparently.
2: I don't understand. Julie, Jeremy O'Hara spends so much time on TikTok. He spends way more time on TikTok than we do. And and it's kind of our job to be on on TikTok. TikTok.
1: Yeah. Lots lots of responses to things. Lots of, you know, like, a lot of theory. Especially because he's involved, especially with a lot of shows right now, like Gossip Girl, Emily in Paris, and Euphoria. Um, He tends to... Put a lot of gossip on on TikTok about the shows. He'll kind of do some like with Euphoria. He was like responding to theories constantly. Same with Gossip Girl. Um, yeah, so he's he's very very active on on all social media. This is the same thing that came up with with our Train Boy Francis. It's like, true. does that mean say that. that this is inauthentic? Does that mean that you know because Francis had a a modeling contract and like you know other stuff in his life prior to train videos, does that mean that the train love is inauthentic? Um, Whom's just to say? I mean, I think, like, the reaction has been, like, a little bit, much with everything on the internet, the reaction was a little extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. You know, I thought that, like, you know, there are some parts of it that were pretty earnest. Like you said, the Charlie Puth video was, like, very, very cute. Um, Juilliard is not and should not feel obligated to let him in. I don't know his acting chops well, they know better than us. That's the thing. <laughs> We're not seeing that. It's hard. It's harder to translate that on TikTok um, because acting on TikTok tends to be pretty cringe. Um, I mean, if but, he is
2: yeah. and, and and it also isn't really part of his brand, you know, like he's not doing like the the like role play videos that yeah. like the cringy role play videos that go viral every once in a while. Like he's doing like pretty seemingly authentic, like living in New York content britney you and i talked about him being a freegan but i looked at his old video i don't think he's a freegan i think he just like gets cabbage he buys produce off the street on like a rug is it is am i I missing
1: like some old freegan video no i don't think we were calling him freegan when we were talking about it i think we were just like assuming that we were just like we were talking about the cap, the street cabbage and we were (laughs) like maybe he's a freegan but he paid for it. I think that's the, I yeah. think that's the
2: definite, that's the uh, distinction here. It is pretty fucking disgusting though that he just buys cabbage on a rug on the street, honestly. I mean, that
1: also sounds like every 20, early 20-something, you know, boy. <laughs> to has buy no cabbage to on the street? Like,
2: am I being process? Well, just like, they like
1: know how to like buy produce <laughs> or feed themselves in their <laughs> tiny apartment. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So,
2: I mean, he made a video... Because
1: also, who just, like, buys cabbage?
2: He made a video about... His last video is about how to cook a meal in an air fryer, and it turned out he didn't, like, turn it on, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Way. It sounds like someone who just doesn't know how to cook for themselves or buy groceries for themselves. But our um, our
2: podcast editor, Dan Stein, is a, um, is a Juilliard graduate, so I'd be curious if he has any Axel insights or intel on yeah. in the admissions process.
1: Yeah. Dan, will you... Will you fight for Axel to get into Juilliard?
2: (laughs) I don't fucking care if he gets into Juilliard.
1: Absolutely absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't fucking care. Dan's going to go to the Alumni Association right after this. (laughs) Like, guys, I got a TikTok star for you.
2: (laughs) Dear Juilliard, I was shocked and outraged to discover that this hot guy on TikTok who doesn't know how to use an air fryer was not accepted into your program.
1: (laughs) I have no idea about his acting skills but it seems like neither do you do.
2: <laughs> anyway, he's just I don't like I know what
1: that sentence was. <laughs> I just kind of was saying words.
2: <laughs> he's he's like he's ignoring all the haters. He's just laughing. He's probably going to be hugely successful, you know, as a himbo would should and could.
1: Netflix is casting him in the next big teen rom-rom-com right now. Absolutely. And I will watch he, it. I will yeah. fucking Watch it twice like I did with She's with He's All That. I watched it twice and I loved uh, it. we're gonna get him and ass and we're making out in something. Fine. What we're gonna, Good. Make, they're gonna do like a Cinderella story remake with Addison Ray and him.
2: Good. I look forward I to it. it. He, we should it. put him on the cover, honestly. Just blow him up <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> Let's make him as
1: famous as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop This Week in TikTok, brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network, written and hosted by me, E.J. Dixon, and Brittany Spanos, executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Shelsey, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul, edited by Dan Stein, and original music composed by Daniel Mertzloft. See you next week.